Welcome to Season 2, Episode 83 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today, I got my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. Boop, boop! Janelle Wheeler. <laughs> boop, boop! <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. I was just I don't... speeding. I was speeding past that. <laughs> um, yeah. Janelle's here, and uh, back with us again, as always, you've known him. He's probably her most regular contributor here. Mr. Connor Casey is back. Tuesday crew. So what we got today is a quick rundown on some movies for you guys. We've got to talk about a big change that happened in DC Comics. We're bringing back Brad. Ah, we're bringing Brack. We're bringing back Rants and Raves. And if you were a fan of that uh, other show I did that remains unnamed for legal reasons, you know this was one of our <laughs> regular segments. And I decided, you know what? Content is getting too crazy. There's too much stuff all over the place. I'm tired of trying to shoehorn it into this. So we're going to bring him back Rants and Raves, where we tell you guys about the things, the content we are either ranting about or raving about, depending on, you know, how much we like it or not. So we're going to get back to that today. Plus, we're going to deep dive into the latest episode of The Mandalorian. Matt has to drop his Assassin's Creed Valhalla review. We're going to talk about the uh, new comic about the Joker's newest sidekick. And Connor's on hand with Matt to run down AEW full gear recap, plus any other crazy things that are happening in wrestling in which I hear there's a lot. And as always, we got the new segment, The Rundown, where we're just going to give you guys quick mentions of things you should be on the lookout for. So, a lot to do. Let's get started at the top. It's been a while. Uh, you know, we've been waiting for the film industry to kind of get going, you know, because of COVID and all that. And slowly but surely, things seem to be gearing back up. Uh, it's kind of a cumbersome process, like we were talking about months ago, that it would be. We got movies, big movies that are starting, and then they have to stop because there's an outbreak, and then we start again. Same with TV shows. And, you know, ironically, we got a little bit of that to talk about, too. So now that things are kind of moving along, we're getting some kind of updates and movie news seems to be flowing back in again. So we got a couple things to run down really quick. First, big thing that we got, Johnny Depp is out of Fantastic Beast 3. Uh, we haven't really gotten into this on the show that much, mainly because I don't even think that franchise is that good, and it's not one of my favorites. Oh, spicy. It is Aww. not a proud – I mean, I love Harry it, Potter, and I love the Harry Potter films. So, I, I mean, Fantastic Beast, that last one was trash, in my opinion. Come out yeah. That was trash. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, but, but there has been this growing movement about people questioning Johnny Depp's place because of the off-screen controversies he's had with uh, ex-wife, particularly ex-wife Amber Heard. Um, I'm not getting into all that, but uh, I'm just yeah. going to say that he's not there anymore. Yeah, he's not there anymore. He, <laughs> he was asked to resign from Warner Brothers, uh, and we found out later that Warner Brothers is part of the kind of the new leadership that's moved in. He was asked to resign. He agreed. He resigned. He put out a letter statement saying, you know, and this is based on a court case that a defamation case against a newspaper that had made this long citing of all the alleged abuses he had made. Uh, to who have committed against Amber Heard, and he lost that case, a defamation case, saying that the paper had committed libel by printing that um, because the judge ruled in favor of some of the counts, and so now that's bad for Depp's reputation. And you know, there's this. This is kind of the first of the fallout we're seeing. Um, so he's asked to leave. He agreed. He put out a saying statement saying, you know, this legal case is unfair, and I'm going to fight this and I'll appeal. So he stated his side of things, um, but he's leaving. And uh, Fantastic Beast has been delayed because of this to a time you can look up on your own because I don't care enough about that movie to tell you. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm not stumping for this. But um, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say this franchise should end. I'm not one of those people because some people enjoy this. As always, I never say that. But I mean, it just seems like this franchise has like some kind of curse hex put on it. Uh, but I think, yeah, it's been way rough. rougher yeah. than you'd expect yeah. from like this I kind mean, of yeah there's johnny depp but i mean the other that was he was the main villain of this of this storyline our other main villain is ezra miller so oh, that's how 2020 is going for this movie yeah <sighs> which you know still on the back burner about that one um yeah it says summer thing. of 2022 is one yeah so you, you got your main villain out for allegedly abusing women but you know your secondary villain is you know, on, on camera choke slamming a girl and, you know, we're still, we're still here. So there's that. Um, fantastic confused. beast. Yeah. And Jude Law is just sitting back like, why are you screwing up my yeah. thing? This <laughs> was supposed to be this is a slam dunk. 
Can I, I rip? Can I do my Dumbledore, please? <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, I'm with him on Poor that. Eddie Redmayne just is just that. looking for a franchise. That's oh my god, I love him so yeah. much. Yeah, he's just been looking for a franchise, and he's had some unfortunate. And to his defense, I thought he did a great job. In yeah, he's been role. doing fine. Now yeah. they added all this other drama instead of making it about Newt and like, and then that's all falling apart. He just likes to find creatures. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sure. But anyway, yeah. yeah, we're not gonna get too deep on any of these because we gotta keep it moving. We got more news. My accent was baller. Yeah, that was a good one. No, that made me, that made me <laughs> feel really brilliant. But, uh, yeah, I say all that to say this is just all a PSA to bring back Colin Farrell as they should have done in the beginning, who was probably you know a more entertaining villain in the first one than Johnny Depp anyway. So uh, I'm all for that. I'm a big so, Johnny uh, Depp fan, and I before all of this, I was very excited to see him in the film. Um, but I, I do think that Colin would do a fantastic job under these circumstances where they cannot bring Johnny Depp, Depp yeah. back. And if you don't know, I mean, the first film in the Fantastic Beast franchise, Johnny Depp masqueraded as a character who was played by Colin Firth before it was re- revealed that he was actually Johnny Depp. So yes. just bring back that false face and let's go with that. Okay, moving right along. We got rumors, sort of, that Bloodshot could be continuing. Uh, Vin Diesel's Bloodshot. It's about however you, oh, great, Broken Link. Thanks, comic book. Um, (laughs) Yeah, depending on how you interpret what this guy said who was involved with the first film and was just talking about how it's performed in this crazy, crazy year. And he said something along the lines that he thinks Vin and everybody's continuing despite, you know, what many may see as, uh... okay, here we go. So producer Dan Mintz said, to CBR, I think very, Bloodshot was very successful in that people, a lot of people saw it and did very well in post-release, uh, but you can't use the same evaluation process because COVID, right? Um, are Vin Diesel and all those people going to still continue? Yes, because it did so well and the response to it has been so well. It's just that the response has been in a non-transparent environment. Um, so that seemed to indicate that the franchise is going to continue. Uh, you know, as a caveat, we got to say he could be telling and saying that, no, this is not going to cur- end any careers or anything. And these people will still like go on. But uh, a lot of people are just run away and saying we're getting bloodshot, too. Uh, my question is, how many people have seen bloodshot? And I was would you be asking thing. for this? Yes, I, I actually have it on my watch list. It's on stars right now. And I was actually going to ask you guys, should I watch bloodshot? Wait, 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 wait. My big question is, you don't have access to HBO Max, but you somehow have access to Because stars? they're on Roku. <laughs> <laughs> they're on Roku. Listen, we were doing a quarantine watch party. I, I got, I got uh, some content. I, I got some content. Uh, I'm a big supporter of my comic book nation peeps, and we were doing a quarantine watch party, <laughs> a comic book quarantine watch party for Venom. And I was like, I don't have Venom. And if I'm going to have to buy it, I'd rather just get the stars membership and be able to watch everything else too. So I did, I, I splurged and got the stars. So, okay. So I will say, I will say that, and we also did a quarantine watch party for bloodshot. If I recall correctly yes. yeah. uh, back then when it first released, I, mm-hmm. I would say that it's a fun, ridiculous popcorn flick. You're not going to okay. get anything like higher level out of it. I, you know, there's like some issues with it as well, but like, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because, you know, I kind of went in it, went into it with a little bit of like lower expectations, but like it was. I fun. think it's because you're pushing Matt's agenda. No, which no, no. Is to build a valiant, want... you've want to see a valiant universe. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I have said that there are great things that could be done with a valiant universe. There it is. I, mm. I am not like, I mean, I like valiant comics. Okay. So I, that's going to get us all derailed. What I will say is, <laughs> That yes, I think it is fun to watch. I would not have expected a sequel to happen, but what I do think, because like Diesel is very much like, I don't know, like sometimes he talks and it's like he's always trying to do like really big thing. Like when he talks about something, it's like this is like my blood. You know what I mean? It's like everything's very personal to him. It feels like all his projects. <laughs> I feel like what if Bloodshot Two is like the first franchise birth from like this like post pandemic world where like they don't come out on the sequel into like a a theater because they they plan like okay well maybe oh. theaters aren't going to factor into this so like we'll do all digital and we'll do this mm-hmm. and we'll do what if it's like this weird thing of where like in three years we're looking back and we have like two more movies and none of them have hit a theater i think that's okay. the kind of thing that yeah. maybe you could run with this but as a traditional blockbuster movie franchise i don't 
I, did, I honestly didn't think the second one would happen. But, you know, hey, who knows? But that's oh, a great yeah. idea. If they did yeah, I mean, Vin that. Diesel's smart about all this kind of stuff. So we'll see. We're not going to get too deep in this because we don't even know if this thing is real. Right, yeah. Even <laughs> things that we can't believe is real. Uh, Olympus has fallen. That franchise is still going, y'all. It keeps making money. And it keep, I mean, Angel has fallen. We didn't think it would make that money. I didn't even do it on the show. That's like one of my biggest regrets from season one of this show is we thought if we had done that review, people would have been loving that. Uh, that movie was hugely successful. Yeah, you're a fan. You're a fan of that franchise. I love that franchise. Yeah. It's so stupid and so fun. <laughs> and it's just like, if you were a 90s action fan, this is like your throwback. All this is like your Steven spy. Seagal franchise. Yeah, exactly. For the yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, straight up diehard. So that's happening. The fourth one's going to be called Night Has Fallen. And I have no idea what it's about. Gerard Butler's back. But I'm immensely curious to see how that title figures in. Mike Bannon. Still protecting something. It's All like an right. Eclipse. It's yeah. Like an like ever that. like forever eclipse. Yeah. All right. He's protecting the moon. <laughs> we <laughs> could take a break. That seems like a good place to just get our heads together, take a break, pay some bills. When we come back, we got uh, more news to run down about movies, DC comics, rants and raves, and our deep dives. So stay tuned. All right. So. After talking about Gerard Butler shooting up more people, another thing, our final piece of movie news is we're getting a Quiet Place spinoff. And, you know, normally I wouldn't have reported something like that, but I thought I started reading deeper because, you know, I'm trying to study for this show now. I feel like it's important. <laughs> so I started looking into this and I was just like, hey, it's being made by Jeff Nichols. And if you don't know who Jeff Nichols is, he made Mud, Loving, Midnight Special, and Take Shelter, which are pretty much across the board. Like, I mean, he's... Very understated and underrated, but, like, pretty excellent filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and he makes these weird, like, Americana stories. Like, Loving was, of course, was about the Loving ruling uh, about interracial marriage. Um, Midnight Special was the unique superhero movie about Michael Shannon as a father of a kid who's, like, you know, either aliens or Superman. I never actually saw. That's, like, the one I didn't see. Take Shelter. I think, it, I think it came down to him being an alien and the kid being an alien. Sorry I spoiled no. the movie from five years. No, sorry. That's all right. That's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Jeff Nichols is, is really kind of a good man who mixes like heart and genre and things like that. Um, and I'm really excited to see what he is going to do with a quiet place spinoff and it's set in, in this kind of expanding quiet place universe that's being built out. Uh, and like I said, I'm really kind of excited to see what he in particular will do with this horror franchise. So yeah, man, this is, could be cool. So keep an eye on that. All right, moving on to comics. DC Comics has a new EIC. And not just that, but her name is Marie Javins, and she is DC's, uh, she was DC's executive editor of Global Publishing and Digital Strategy. And she has worked in uh, various jobs in kind of digital strategy and, and as an editor on the books. So she's kind of this very good mix of the past meaning she's actually like dug in and edited books she's worked on justice league dc superhero gals more recently things like their uh dark knight's death metal and she was an editor on these books but she's also done things in digital strategy digital uh publishing and all of this so i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this and this change and because i thought it was interesting just a quick talk about where it looks like dc is going um, DC made the bold move this year, let's not forget, of breaking with the traditional distribution model of Diamond and saying, you know what, we're doing this ourselves. We're doing this in-house. Um, and yeah, we're going to become our own distributor. They took over Tuesday, which is unheard of in comics. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, it's actually been a nice little balance. I'm actually enjoying right? it. Right? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we'll finish. yeah, because yeah, we'll to that. was good. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, and they've also took DC universe and you know, they took the TV content and spun that off on HBO max, but now they're building, I forget the exact name of it because we've had too many content names this year, yeah, but uh, they're building a master digital comics library on what was the, the bones of DC universe. So there is opportunity. And I mean, Warner brothers and Warner media and has kind of brought in people who are similarly from like Hulu, from that digital background and real innovators and pushers and it, it, I mean, it just looks like this is, and we've, I mean, there's been a long story breakdown on this show about, 
Matt has a whole manifesto about DC's the uh, conspiracy of DC as just an IP generator and you know the comics and the, and not getting the publisher and what's going to happen to that under an AT&T umbrella and it, it just looks like digital's going way we're going I mean that's my take it seems like the future DC's really the one who's going to be the first to be like okay future of this brand is in digital like we're just going that way yeah. what do you guys think I I mean I I I agree with you on those things. I think that that's what this position pushes and this change, I, I think. And just, just to take it on, like you mentioned some of the books she edited, but like if you go into uh, her actual like edit history a little further, like yes, it's DC Superhero Girls, which has been immensely successful in like the graphic novel and middle grade market, but she's in a ton of those. Superman Smashes the Clan was like a huge hit in like bookstores and traditional stores, not just comic stores. Uh, of course, Death Metal, but also Harley Quinn Breaking Glass. Like a lot of these are, and they range the gamut from like, oh, we're, we're actually a little bit towards like high teens, kind of to the older demographic. And then we also have stuff that's catered to younger audiences. And it's not all this kind of middle of the road, same superhero stuff, same audience. It's it's kind of vast, the stuff she's worked on, which I think bodes well, because that means DC has been killing it in the graphic novel market. And they've been killing it with their like older skewed stuff, but it's the middle ground that like Marvel has dominated for so long, right? And this expanse into digital and kind of trying to finally, for the love of Lord, bring all these <laughs> different facets of the company into one and actually have them working in unison, I think is really smart. I mean, even DC's digital first stuff that they release now um, that comes out like Batman, the adventures continue and things like that. It's all primed to digital, which those sales have been going up even amidst like, and this was even before the pandemic. Pandemic kind of throws everything into skew. So you can only take so much from those numbers, but like even before that, they were leaning into digital. So I think one, I think that's great for DC. I think DC needs that, especially with like Future State coming up. I think it's great that she's at the helm because then once you see the stuff coming in of like what's what's hitting with fans, what's hitting with communities, what 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 characters from that whole event can we spin out? And I think it will be nice to have someone with her background kind of guiding that as opposed to some of the old guard guiding that because we would get some of the same things. Wouldn't be quite here. future state, would it? Right. No, it would be like, oh, hey, that one back character popped. Cool. And let's ride that till the wheels fall off. And here I think you have a possibility of someone. R.I.P. Batman. Yeah. So I just think it's really, I think that's really good for that. Also, I will say, I know we first, and, and there's a lot of retailers that will disagree with me. So I'm not talking about this from a retailer perspective, more as a consumer and a person that just reads comics. I will say I've really grown to like the Tuesday thing because it actually gives DC its own spotlight. We talk about DC books on this show 10 times more than we ever yeah, did I've been when they were it. coming out. Yeah, right, when they were that coming out on Wednesdays. That assigns me the comic on Monday. <laughs> I read it on Tuesday. It's great. It's But like that spotlight was not there. It True. was always muddled. We'd get it a Batman or a big event title, but like, it was always fighting for stuff. And and Tuesdays has helped, I feel like, bring some new attention to that. So hopefully yeah. they can write that. I mean, it's good. It just It's also good just, like you said, it, I mean, it gives each universe breathing room. Like Tuesday to Wednesday, I'm like reading my DC stuff. And then Wednesday into the weekend, I'm like reading my Marvel stuff. And it's just like, you know, and yeah. I feel good. I don't, I don't need to like mix and match. I can focus on each universe in line and everything as a cohesive universe for a couple days and then move on to the next. So... Pretty, I'm, I'm digging it too. All right, so it's going to be uh, anybody else in anything about DC? Anybody excited about anything? Janelle's just excited for more assignments on Monday. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying reading comics a lot. No, 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 it's good. It's All right, awesome. so we're going to move on into Rants and Raves, where we get to rant and or rave about things we are, what kind of content we are enjoying out there. Um, I'll kick us off and tell you guys I'm going to be picking one rave and one, it's not quite a rant yet. It's not quite a rave yet. I'm actually in the middle somewhere. But the first thing I'm going to rave about is uh, Servant. On I finally cracked open this Apple TV Plus subscription that I apparently let lapse after free trial and have been paying for because <laughs> uh, I don't ever check my Apple accounts. I'm just paying for you know family stuff. But uh, yeah, <laughs> after digging in the books, I was like, I should actually start using this. And you know, yeah. I've quickly gotten to like Apple TV Plus. But um, 
Yeah, so I checked out Servant as my first content offering. You know, there's been uh, the morning show, C, Servant. There's a bunch of other stuff that have come out. But um, I dug it. I actually really dug Servant. And that's M. Night Shyamalan's uh, kind of produced series. And it's about, it stars uh, Toby Cabal and from uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and uh, Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under and this uh, newcomer actress and Rupert Grint from Harry Potter. And it's about Philadelphia, like most M. Night Shyamalan stories are set in, you know, Philadelphia, where he and I are from. And Philly! But, uh, yeah. Quick <laughs> I was going to join you and then I'm like, wait a minute, I have no right to <laughs> yeah. do that. Why uh, am I repping Philly? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and so it's about this family and this couple where the mother has been through some kind of kind of disassociative experience and she's kind of like in a trance and she thinks this doll baby is is her baby uh and it's about a nanny who comes to stay with them to kind of and and who's this young girl who becomes a nanny and the husband's this very successful chef toby cabell and the the girl's from a is a newscaster and from a wealthy family and so rupert grint is her kind of scumbag rich brother um, he does an awesome job in the show and as just a scumbag, rich American kind of boy. <laughs> uh, and it's about the deepening mystery because like any good M. Night Shyamalan story, uh, and they did a bad job in season one, I'll say, of just trying to make you do this. Is it real? Isn't it not real? Like what's going on with the baby? Which is was bad marketing because that literally lasts like five seconds in the show. Really? Yeah, that's not a big mystery in the show at all. Wow. Hmm. Is is the baby real or not? No, the the show, and I don't feel bad about telling you this. I mean, it's a year long spoiler, but no, there's the the doll. The baby is a doll that the mother thinks is real, and the nanny is this weird young girl comes to stay with them that is willing to play along with this fantasy. Now that's where it starts. Where it goes from there is crazy, twisted, and kind of like freaky. And it's this show that's not so much scary as it very is much like it's very much like weird and unsettling, and it touches on a lot of stuff. I mean, it just touches on kind of like privilege, mental health, religion, because uh, it turns out they begin to find out weird stuff about this nanny. Like she's very hyper religious in a very strange kind of way, um, like abnormally in an abnormal sort of religious thing going on uh and weird stuff starts happening around the house and so it grows into this ever spiraling kind of dark mystery that gets out further and further into this weird stuff and it's not so much has to do anything with like supernatural stuff as it does about just human kind of like the horror of just human stuff you know uh you know whether it's kind of brainwashing and you know feelings of inferiority and servitude or like I said, mental health and privilege and things like that. Um, all that stuff is kind of wrapped up and it's, uh, and it's pretty good because it's 10 episodes and the way they pace out this weird mystery and make it both episodic and larger is pretty good. So I would recommend if you want to get into Apple TV Plus, Servant Season 2 is coming out up in January and man, like what it ends on and by the time it's over, what the bigger kind of picture looks like of what's going on in the show it, it's pretty crazy so good watch it's intriguing. the other thing yeah it's pretty it was yeah. really more intriguing than i thought when i started watching it because i thought it was just gonna hinge on the dumb baby thing but like i said that <laughs> is like two seconds and and it turns out to be a really good part of the show so the other thing i'm gonna touch on is uh hbo max has premiered a new series called the undoing with uh nicole kidman and hugh grant and this one is a slow burn like really is a slow burn uh, mystery. It's about this rich couple in New York uh, who the husband's like a cancer re doctor and it, it becomes, they become the center of this murder kind of scandal mystery. And it's about what really happened between this couple and, and like, and what's going on here. And so the first episode is kind of like really slow and boring. There's this weird thing with this, the, the girl who ends up murdered in it. But uh, as it's going on, it's becoming more and more interesting because what it's doing is it's playing with notions of like reality and who's a reliable narrator and all that kind of stuff and about, you know, who is who and what is what. And they're throwing some interesting twists in. And it's very kind of like a psychological thriller where you don't really know like what the state of reality is and who's really all there in terms of the characters and stuff. So it's okay, but I'm not giving it a thumbs up quite yet. Check that out if you want. 
Uh, that's me. Moving on to Janelle. Cool. What is your rant and or rave this week? Yeah. Um, so my rave is actually um, a show that was recommended by a lot of listeners of the podcast. So thank you for coming in my Twitch channel and telling me to watch the show because I was really holding off on it. Uh, this is a new Netflix limited series. I think that's what it's called. And um, it is called The Queen's Gambit. Not normally my style of show. I like superheroes, sci-fi, space, all those things. This is a very um, real feeling show, obviously. It's, it's kind of like a historical fiction. It's actually based on a fiction novel, um, but it's, there's nothing wacky or weird. There's no twist or crazy thing. This is all stuff that can happen. It's based on chess. I know nothing about chess. If you know nothing about chess, it's okay. I really think you'll enjoy it. Um, the backstory it's okay. Is, Even if you did, I'd still be two, ten moves ahead of you. <laughs> Probably, actually. <laughs> That's why you are in charge of this podcast. I don't think anyone um, Thank you. <laughs> but it's really good. I, I actually... Um, the first episode was kind of slow, but because it has such a backstory to it... Um, I was, I couldn't help but watch the next episode. I was like, oh, I'll watch one episode because it was recommended. And by the end of the first episode, I was so curious how this uh, child, I don't want to spoil too much, but how this, this girl becomes a woman. Um, because in all the trailers and the teasers and everything, you see her as a woman dominating in chess. And um, I, I props to slow playing the first episode because we didn't even really see her as an adult in that first episode, except for a little tease. Um, there's some familiar faces that you see. Uh, we have the gentleman, I have to look up his name, um, Harry Melling, or sorry, yeah, Harry Melling, he is actually, uh, he plays Cousin Dudley from Harry Potter. So he is like a chess expert in this. Um, and then we get another cameo from Thomas Brody Sangster. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And he was actually last seen in Love Actually as like a 13-year-old and he was adorable. What? It's so weird. <laughs> it's that guy? It's, it's the kid? Yeah, the sweet little blonde, like big, innocent eye. talking the movie, right? Not the show? Yes. Yes, in the movie. Okay. And there was a show in there. He's adorable. He played Liam Neeson's, uh, I think, like stepson or something in that. Oh my God. But it's so crazy to see them as adults. Uh, and it's just, it's very intriguing. I was, I didn't have time to put my cat eye eyeliner on for the podcast today because I couldn't stop watching it basically. So I was like, I can either put like awesome makeup on or I can continue to watch this show. <laughs> and so highly recommend, uh, definitely if you have any interest in just phenomenal acting and some really cool historical, um, based type TV show, it's, obviously set in the 60s, a little bit in the 50s and the 60s during the Soviet Cold War and all of that. And there's a lot of references to that. And it plays a big, big um, key piece of information in the end. Again, not trying to spoil, but check it out. If you don't like the first episode, if it doesn't intrigue you, then it might not be for you, but I definitely enjoyed it. And then my, my, my non-happy moment is not really that, that down. So I don't even want to call it a rant, but... Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Can I just say that I have never played Super Mario 64 until now, and it is so difficult. <laughs> it is the worst of the three. All of, I, I was a Super Nintendo person, so I, I skipped Super Nintendo. I went from, uh, or I went to Super Nintendo straight to GameCube. I missed 64 all together because my parents didn't understand that you have to buy every console and i <laughs> am struggling playing super mario 64 so everyone who is a big fan of that props to you guys because it is such a difficult game <laughs> exactly yes super mario 3d all-stars my favorite is super mario sunshine and then galaxy oh sunshine is so underrated it's, anyway. uh, it's it so really good. is yeah sunshine's great. Sunshine's great. yeah so those are mine wow that's I get, man. That's a that's a hard one to follow up. It's Mario. Connor, do you <laughs> want to go? Uh, sure, I will go. Um, I have a rave this week. Um, I don't often talk about anime on the show because honestly, I don't watch a ton of it. But when I and do, that's what we bring you on for. You're the wrestling guy. Stay in your lane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm jumping out of my lane this time. I'm just Kofi. kidding. We love talking to anime in the office with Connor. Back because. 
My Hero Academia Chapter 290 dropped this weekend. I thought it was last weekend because I have read so much about this chapter since then that it feels like it's been a week. But it's yeah, only I mean, been really. It, it's yeah, only been like three days. People were freaking out long. This actually beat the election in trending topics. For right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, if you've been following along and if you maybe haven't read this chapter, we're just going to spoil the whole thing. Yeah, we're going to spoil it. This is major academia spoilers. Okay? Like... If you're a fan of the anime and you don't read the manga, just go ahead like about two, three minutes right now because we're going to talk some major spoilage. I'm giving you so, one warning. This is manga so, spoilers. If you want to be non-spoiled for the anime, three minutes. So anyway, one of the big mysteries surrounding the series was uh, fan favorite Shoto Todoroki had a missing brother who was abused by his father, Endeavor. And we... At some point, we're probably going to figure out the identity of who it was. Well, the theory was, hey, maybe this evil's really scarred up guy who happens to have fire powers, just like everybody else mm. on that side yeah. of the family, Dobby, maybe he is Shoto's secret brother. My girlfriend uh, refused to believe that that was the case. Um, and guess who was the first person I told when the spoilers for this chapter came out? <laughs> because you're now uh, ex-girlfriend. No, she's still with me. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but uh, she she refused to believe it until I showed her the actual panel, and she went, "Damn it!" <laughs> but uh, it is revealed in this chapter that Dobby is in fact Shoto's brother. He is the son of Endeavor, and. I have to rave about this because it's a twist everybody saw coming, and yet it still took me by surprise in the execution. Because Funny enough, as soon as we're done here, I'm pressing publish on an article that says why Dobby's reveal is not surprising but still very exciting. Right. Um, it, it's a testament to just to great execution because instead of just him walking up to Shoto and being like, "Oh, hey, little brother." recognize me in my scarred up face hi dad no nothing like that he puts out a public statement to the world and his mentally still very fragile mother that uh hey the guy that everybody wants to believe is the number one hero now yeah this is what he did to me yeah i mean and like that, let's also say we have another article that's actually very popular now it's about and i they kind of do this little visual ode in this to say um, that Dobby is basically the Joker of My Hero Academia now. He does like a little Joker dance when he does this. Uh, no, it's very much. I mean, Kohei Horikoshi, the creator of this, is very much inspired. He buries all kinds of DC, Marvel, and Star Wars Easter eggs all over this series. And uh, yeah, this was very much Jokey, uh, Dobby's Joker moment. Um, because like you said, the broadcast, the little kind of Joaquin Phoenix dance he does while he's saying all this stuff, Right. And just the sadisticness, he reveals that he there. We got to know this family a little bit better because uh, Endeavor became the number one hero, as you said. And then there were these things that started happening. His his uh, second oldest son was attacked and taken hostage by a villain, and had to be saved by him and Shoto. And you know when he they were training with him and all that. But all these things that Dobby reveals, he did. He orchestrated basically to bring his family closer together again just so he could mess them up real bad by doing this and tear them all apart again. And I was like, man, that is some joker. And it's a punchline. Like it's a, it's a kind of right. And what, yeah. what's kind of a masterstroke is that this arc has seen so much damage between um, everything that's going on with the league of villains and this literal giant running through a city, rampaging everything in his path. And yet this is what could break the world. For yeah. heroes. And that's what I was saying in my article that's coming out. That's the most exciting thing is he does two things that are very exciting. One, he's, he, this might be the thing that actually breaks hero society because the, the number one hero who, who has been working hard to be the symbol of peace has made all these personal reforms and put his body and his soul like on the line is now going to be revealed to be a child abuser, wife abuser who created the most kind of fearsome and notorious serial killer who's been just going around random and everything he does now makes sense. He's just been going around randomly burning people in alleys this whole series. You're like, what is this dude's deal? And then like you find out that it's not just random killing. He's been doing this so he can earn a rep just so he can say, hey, I'm the notorious serial killer who's the son of this dude. Yeah, like, hi. And, and Kofi, yeah. I, I swear I did not read your article, so I'm, I'm sorry well, I haven't put for reading the yet. same points. Uh, but, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. This, this, this was fantastic. I can't wait to see this play out in animation yeah. because I love the guy that does the voice for the English dub. And I 
I'm thrilled to see what happens next. Oh, yeah. My Hero's killing it. Check that out. Anime, manga, we've been telling you this whole time. Best content right now, in my opinion. Matt, all right. Let's get into what is your rant and rave this week, buddy? Yeah, so I'll uh, wrap things up with something that uh, actually brings a lot of the things we talk about kind of together in one thing. So we all love superheroes here, and we all love, a lot of us anyway love Twitch and uh, you know gaming, RPGs. So there's a show that is actually airing on Twitch. It is a superhero show, and it's a superhero interactive RPG. It's called The Unleashed. Uh, I am a big fan, people know, of Power Rangers Hyperforce when that was back in the day, and it was so cool and different and fun, and it brought all those universes into one. Some of the people who brought that show are now bringing this show. Uh, we're currently three episodes in. Uh, they're a couple hours long, but there's just so much really fun role-playing here. Uh, let me read you the description real quick just to set the stage. <laughs> Deep in the... National Forest exists a rift that opens to another dimension containing a superhuman community known as the Unleashed. They have cut themselves off from the outside world to avoid being hunted by a nefarious government agency. But when the rogue agency finds a way to breach the rift, it will be up to four Unleashed teenagers to team up and risk everything to save their world. Dun, dun, dun. It's, it's like really fun superhero stuff, but what I would say is people going into this, um, Kind of, there's a lot of I me, mean, if you played D&D, &D, if you played uh, role-playing games before, there's a lot of that stuff in there, but there's a lot of cool modern stuff. They do whole filmed segments. It's like watching like a little mini movie in between big events. They also do ways to Twitch extensions that allow you to actually affect the game. You can actually interact with that stuff throughout. So the players are actually having a voice and then that dictates certain things that happen in the game. And it's just like a real, it's really funny too. The first uh, episode is just hilarious once all these various characters start interacting. So if you're willing to give something different a chance, I think you will really dig it. It airs on Twitch on Wednesday nights. So uh, episode four will come out this week. So that is my rave. Yes, uh, definitely. Really cool. Um, and then my, this isn't so much as a rant as a rant gestion. This is a merely a suggestion from me. So I know Among Us is taking over like the world. Uh, it made Fall Guys a uh, second tier <laughs> citizen, right? So like Among Us is all the rage right now. But what I would say is Among Us is essentially a really well done and fun tabletop game. There are so many tabletop games that have been doing what Among Us has been doing for years. And there's really cool stuff out there. And so I know there's a lot of Walking Dead fans here, especially with Janelle here. And I know Kofi's back into Fear the Walking Dead. There's sure. one in particular that came out years ago, and it's called Dead of Winter. It's still being, uh, it still has like stuff that's relatively recent. Um, and it's from Plat Hat Games. That does like essentially combines the Walking Dead's survival zombie walker universe with the like kind of bluffy gameplay of Among Us because like there's a traitor in your group. You're working to survive, just survive the world, build up your forts and like have a community. And then there's a traitor and someone who is trying to cause all that to come down. And you're trying to figure out who that is all the while just like doing normal things to survive. So that game is out there uh, if you want to take that, if you want to check that out. I think that's a really cool thing, especially if Among Us has brought you to like bluffing games which are just supremely fun so that would be my suggestion or my rant suggestion all right thank you guys rants and raves if you guys ever want to just uh let us know if you like these things too or if you check them out you can always uh hit us up at our various twitter handles or at the hashtag or at the twitter handle at comic book nation we're going to get into our deep dive now and today we're talking about mondo chapter 10 of course uh chapter 10 of the mandalorian it's called The Passenger, and it sees Mando taking a lizard-like alien uh, mother-to-be who is taking her eggs to meet her husband to get them fertilized, you know, the usual rendezvous in space, <laughs> off-space Tinder. Um, and the trip does not go smoothly, as they had hoped. And I wanted to first just get impressions of what you guys thought about this episode. We're going to... I thought it was okay. Um, it, it wasn't as grand in scale or epic as the premiere, but that's to be expected. A uh, follow-up episode usually is not. Uh, I was kind of worried about it until the ending with the giant spiders. Obviously, we're talking spoilers here. It says it in the title of the show. Um, but all in all, I felt like this was just kind of a rare chapter where I didn't think that much advanced in the plot other than the kind of 
thing that I think will come back around later in the season, which is the fact that the Mandalorian's reputation is beginning to get out and kind of grow. And that's kind of what saves him in the end. It is. And that's a bunch of star Wars, the force, you know, putting out good deeds and doing things comes back and on you and helps you and all that stuff. But, um, I know that's necessary building for what will happen later as this guy continues to maybe need help and others and stuff like that to fight later. Uh, but, uh, I am not down with this Baby Yoda stuff. Same. Baby Yoda, that was a questionable turn in character for me. I yeah. was kind of like a little taken back when that started happening. The like first gross. time... I was like screaming at the TV. Yeah, the first like, time I was like, okay, like he's just a child and we see him eat the frog before that's yeah. like the thing. Yeah, but when his whole episode became him like doing it, I don't know if it was just where I was at with the father in me and what I'm dealing with with a two-year-old <laughs> boy right now, but I was like, yeah, you need to put that kid on timeout. He needs to catch the backhand. What are you doing over there, Mando? Like, <laughs> telling him just not to do it again? What kind of parenting is that? You think you're going to do that? You think you're going dis- to discipline that kid like this? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, that might be personal, though. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm not down with that. I thought that was a weird character turn for me. I was mm. like, maybe Yoda's supposed to be sweet and endearing. This is not sweet. I actually thought they were going to be like, oh, uh- he wasn't eating them. Maybe he was like storing them and he was going to be able that's, to like vomit them okay, up or yeah. something. But again, that's some Ridley Scott stuff that I don't want to get into. <laughs> yeah. Either. I mean, neither yeah. do I, but I was like, maybe there will be a reason for this. Like maybe they're going to freeze and he's like trying to keep them warm or I was, I, I was overthinking <laughs> it. As I usual. love, no, but I love that. I love the hopeful. I was trying to redeem him, but I was like, <laughs> I was like pissed at him at the end. I'm like, I'm mad at baby Yoda. Like he, he's making me mad. Like this yeah. is all they have left of their children and he's murdering them. <laughs> but okay. So what I, what I will say is, cause I felt the same way yeah. as, as far. I was just like, Oh my God, stop. Yeah. Like I love this little, I don't know what her species name is. I don't even think they say I it. Loved at one her point. Too. I know. Don't, I, some star Wars guy's going to curse us out, but it's probably, I, well, no, I know I didn't catch it. I'm not yeah. saying like, it's not out there. I'm just saying, I'm not she's the biggest, a, like she's a frog. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So she's a little lizard. Cause she like at one point uses her tongue twice yeah. kind of froggish lizard. Right. Gecko, so she's, she's maybe, really yeah. awesome. And I, and I love the part where she takes the voice of the mm-hmm. droid and is like, no dude, like, come on, like appeals to his honor and stuff. And it guilts him essentially, but you know, he should feel guilty because he screwed her up. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that at first I was upset at baby Yoda. I was like, Oh my God, stop eating, <laughs> eating eggs because, and then as it kept happening, because the second time, by the way, it's not like Mando just got after him. The second time the crash happened and he was trying to find him and in the ensuing chaos, baby Yoda found the thing and was like trying to eat another right and then the third one he snuck and the only other time we see mando see him go for it he reprimands him and he stops right and then he go eats the creepy spider thing i was like oh my god whatever right (laughs) as someone who recently discovered their child trying to eat a leaf the other day and then (laughs) slobbering over a pop i had and then trying to eat like a random thing she, she found right it's i'm in the same boat as kofi of like because it's like you're you're in the middle of it i very much was upset at first. And like, I'm typically with her, I went, well, this child doesn't know. This child does not, it is a child in that respect. This child does not understand the ramifications of their actions. He does not know that he is eating a race of people and I keeping them from like having they more people. Relied That's too a child. heavily on that in the story. Like right. it's exactly. like the show okay. was Hold fine. up, we're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we're gonna get to the bottom of this baby Yoda mess. So stay tuned for that. So, yeah, I mean, I hear you. I just want to clarify that I'm not mad at Baby Yoda as a character. I'm mad at the showmaker's decision to characterize this. Or to make it such a big priority in this episode. Because I don't feel like it's just I'm trying to maintain a sense of hope and endearing connection to Baby Yoda. And this makes it hard. Like, like I just broke broke me out of it for a minute. I was like, wait. But that's the point, I feel like. He's not supposed to be this cherubic thing of like oh well he's only sweet all the I mean, time he could have like, eaten it one time and i would have been gross yeah but that wouldn't have made the point the, the, <laughs> yes. like i feel like the point was to you make... were fighting really hard for eating babies no <laughs> i'm just saying that i i don't necessarily as someone like like you who has to kind of find like check my anger in a moment of like oh my god what the hell why don't you understand <laughs> why are you eating that you're making yourself gag from a leaf right but 
I also go like, well, okay, that, that's pretty normal. And if they're really trying to push the father child parenting thing of this, because this, this episode was very much a side quest in any game. It's, it's going to come back around to tie in a little bit to a grander picture, but in the whole grand scheme of things, it's not going to mean a ton. This, all the things that happened in this episode. Yeah. But I I still felt it got that across. I cared more about the spiders. I I cared more about like, I just, I just just can't wait to see you experiencing these same things with a two year old. (laughs) But the, but the point is the same. Like the point uh, yeah, I know, the, but the yeah. frustration's a lot oh. deeper. <laughs> like, oh, I get it. I yeah. get it because they can get into more things, and at least now and you she also can only do, crawl. And you begin to question your child's development and the development yes. of their brain about that age. You're like, I was, I you was just try oh. to eat that. Like, do you <laughs> want to survive? Like, you know what survival is. By now. I was applauding her use of blocks yesterday. Like, oh wow, she's putting the shapes and the thing and all that. And then today, it's like, stop eating a used thing of pasta. Like, why are you eating that? Right? It's the same. It's the same thing. But I, but I understand it. I'm not saying like. I want every episode to be this, but I also was like, well, they're trying to define a, a character as a character and not just an adorable piece of merchandise. I think I did needs to learn more about the Mandalorian spanking technique. <laughs> I keep uh, waiting for, for, child for the child to use <laughs> his abilities again. Uh, because there were so many moments where there could have been, you know, with closing of the door when they were trapped and being right. attacked. Uh, yes. Like there was just so many times and I'm like, why isn't the child choosing to defend now? And he has in the past or she has, has it been defined yet? I think it's a boy. It is yeah. boy. Okay. But, um, but I, I'm actually good with them not over-relying on the power because I don't want that to be the, oh, we're in trouble, baby Yoda. And baby just, Yoda. <laughs> just lift, like picking up one mud horn for one episode, that's fine. But if you make that the point of every episode, he's going to get real boring real quick. Like the tension yeah. from this came from, hey, we are vastly outnumbered by something right. that is get very yeah. close to killing us all. And he doesn't that. use it. If you go back and watch season one, he only uses it when people were either gravely injured or when out of desperation when mando was like in real dire trouble like mm-hmm. he kind of had the spider thing still under control it didn't look good but they weren't they weren't about to die yet um but uh just as a kind of just final thing for this uh we are safe it is called unidentified frog species according to wikipedia so there oh, you go <laughs> we're in the clear oh, so they have not defined maybe this frog species could be the key to everything who knows Ooh. all right so that was The Mandalorian. We'll be back for chapter 11. Matt, you have the review of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Why don't you break it down for us? Yeah, definitely. So uh, this newest uh, iteration of the franchise, of course, from the name implies that it is Viking-based, and uh, it definitely leans into that in every way. I won't get into big story spoilers. It just came out, so I'll, don't worry. that I'm not going to spoil any like late anything. Um, but uh, some of the impressions I had were definitely uh, Eivor, as a, as a character, I feel like is going to um, split a few people, uh, especially fans who have some fans who have played like some of the earlier games with Ezio and things like that. Um, the character, you can actually switch between the male and female versions or let the game dictate it for you. So whatever one it feels like is a better like scenario representation, it'll actually put that version of the character in the scene and then it'll change as you go. Um, A little bit of a slow start this one, but once it gets going after that kind of first prologue, there's just a lot of, it's such a great refinement of what Odyssey did so well. Um, A lot of the mechanics, um, you're gonna kind of, they've made some improvements, other things I feel like maybe slipped a little, um, like some of the combat and like uh, movement, just general movement of the game. But the way this game like brings all the assassins, Templar, even the modern day stuff into the world you're currently in, uh, which you go from Norway to England, it's just, it's so well done. I mean, all of it connects, like you have a settlement and we've seen that in Assassin's Creed 3 before, but here it actually feels like they're getting you to actually like upgrade. You want to return. You want to talk to the people there. Like there's a, this isn't like a giant spoiler, but like typically when you raise stuff in your settlement, there's like a bakery, right? And you can upgrade that and actually like uh, add to a buff later on, right? But the baker has a storyline. Like if you actually give it the time and like you go to talk to them and you find little things that here and there, there's like a whole little side quest with your baker. And it's, it's actually interesting. And it's not just like, oh, well, you talk to them for five seconds and that's it, which is typically what happens in these kind of interactions. And there's so much of that 
in just your group of people that you meet along the way. The characters are just so unique and it's fun to talk to them and they bring stuff out of Eivor throughout the game. Uh, the, the biggest, I will say, uh, movement forward in gameplay is the raid system, which actually lets you, so anytime you're sailing on the water with your, your team, uh, there are gold rings that pop up and they can be monasteries or they can be fortresses and things like that. All you have to do is hit triangle on PS4 anyway, and you'll rate it. And so your boat will head towards it and like she'll blow a horn and you guys will just launch towards whatever that is. And you're doing it to like, yes, take over territory, but also to get raw materials and wealth so that you can build up your settlement which then gets you extra, like opens up other gameplay opportunities. I mean, at one point you can actually go to other realms if you build certain things up enough. And we're talking like Thor, <laughs> we're talking like Asgard, like that's that kind of stuff. And that stuff is in this game. And it again, all ties to your settlement. So it's amazing how they made it all centerpiece there. But the raid system is really fun. You're rolling into a place like fully stocked with your team of raiders that you can customize throughout the game. You'll, you'll meet other characters that you can put in your party. And it's just like this crazy adrenaline filled rush. And you can do that at any time. There's all these different places that you can raid. And again, it's meaningful because you're pushing the game for it. Um, the storyline is, is, is really good, it, but it's a slow burn. Like this is not one that you'll be like, I feel like immediately vested in in the first hour. It's gonna take a little bit to build, but as it keeps going, there's some great twists uh, Ubisoft did a really good job of like making choices matter. So it's not full on Mass Effect, right? You're not picking every single choice to affect the end of the game, but there are certain things throughout that have like major effects on the, on the game as, as going forward in the story. So it is definitely something that I think will stick around for future for future Assassin's Creeds. And this is just a really refined, really fun experience. So definitely recommend. This is gonna keep going. This Assassin's Creed thing. Oh, it ain't entity. And uh, no, I can't, I can't do that. Not going to talk about that, but uh, <laughs> I will say uh, stuff, stuff sets up really interesting things going forward on this. So definitely uh, we can revisit that when like things are died down to the point where more people will play and we can actually get into spoilers, but like there's some really interesting things they do with this franchise. All right. That's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Now Stall! we're going to take a quick minute and, uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like we have to make a choice. I don't think we have enough time for Punchline and AW, but you now read Punchline. You read Punchline, right? Yeah, but I will continue to keep reading everything. So we don't get Connor on here all the time. If we want to, yeah. yeah, we can yeah, let's do it uh, next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll combine it for. Uh, we'll, we'll do it next time, uh, Connor. Let's do uh, AW and do a recap. Give you guys some time to talk some wrestling instead. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. So, AEW Full Gear took place on pay-per-view this past Saturday. I watched it. Matt, did you able to, were you able to get a chance to watch this I one? Did. Awesome. Um, after what was admittedly a pretty disappointing all-out back in August, I feel like the company really bounced back with this one. We only get to see them on pay-per-view four times a year. This was, I think, their strongest outing of the year. Might be their best pay-per-view they've done, period. Uh, might need to sit on it for a little bit to really consider that. But this had some legitimately excellent matches. You start off Kenny Omega, Hangman Page. You keep that story going. Uh, it delivered, but it wasn't so long that I felt like um, they didn't blow everything off. So that when we get back to this later, I think there's still a lot that they can go back to with this. Because I have a feeling a year from now, this will be the world championship picture. Kenny will have the title. Hangman will have pulled himself out of whatever alcoholic stupor he finds himself in. And we see kind of the ultimate redemption story that will be almost at, at least two years old by that point. Jeez, and I think well that could be some, that could be the crown jewel of this company in terms of storytelling. I see the Young Bucks versus FTR was a celebration of tag team wrestling. It was exactly what I hoped it would be. Um, I loved all the references to classic tag teams. Uh, my stream kept breaking up during this one, so I am not as over the moon on it as some people. Um, but that's on me. That's not on this match. I Everything up right, even the end, where FTR, this classic old school team, says, we don't do flips. And then they, yeah, out yeah. of nowhere, decide to try a flip, and it immediately backfires. It fails. Perfect. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> that, that, that was poetic, and I loved it. Darby Allen beating Cody Rhodes for the title was probably the, the most hype I got during the night because I love Darby. I love that he is essentially AEW's first homegrown talent to yeah. find this level of success. 
And Cody played essentially the bully. And it, it, it's, a, it's a role that can really fit him in the right scenario, even though I love him as a good guy. And uh, the main event was this was this to me felt like the first time a Moxley match lived up to the hype as world champion, because every paper, every title match he set up until this point has fallen short yeah. in some form or fashion. His work with the big guys was fun, but always kind of left me wanting his match with MJF. I felt like came at the end of what wound up being kind of a weak pay-per-view. So I was just kind of waiting it for it to end. This one told a great story, had a lot of emotion, and by the end of it, Eddie Kingston's crying with a barbed wire choke <laughs> around his face. Just, a, <laughs> just what a visual, though. Oof. Yeah, and like, uh, I d- excellent stuff. Him and now him and Kenny going forward is the first time where I'm like, holy yes. crap, I need to see this match. That is yes, very much so. And th- this is a great. AEW is in a fantastic spot right now with the exception of the women's division, which we can get into if you want, Matt. But overall, how did you feel about this show? Uh, I No, this was a great show. This was – I've, I've always been a little not as high on the tag team divisions, just in general, as, like, in AEW, as, like, everyone else's. Like, I like the Young Bucks, and I, and I like some of the stuff that happens in tag team matches. But, you know, like – I, I do get a little like, oh, there's another crazy spot. I get a little outspotted sometimes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like okay, that's, right. yeah. that's what those matches are, and they're great. But it's like I've seen it before, right? And so, th- But this was really good. I like the story of what made this match for me is the fact that um, I could not really care less about the Young Bucks like, being champs again. It was more about just like the fun tributes to the tag team history and like all those little touches of like F- FTR, right? Like the thing you mentioned where like even they the, don't even do flips. The, the DIY mention as, as an yeah. NXT guy, you had to pop for that. <laughs> that, was that good. Was... No, but that stuff was really great. And, I, and these two teams are, are the perfect ones to do that because they can speak to some you know what i mean like there was a lot of that stuff there so like the result is cool i I, i'm i'm kind of semi-intrigued to see where they go with the bucks next but just as this match i thought that was great i agree i think the moxley match was one of the best ones of his title reign so far i am just stoked for that omega one that's going to be fantastic i like what they did with the omega page stuff even uh even the fact that like omega kind of taps him on the back right at the end. So like kind of tease is like, well, maybe I don't like <laughs> hate your guts. You can't stand at least that just a little bit or like where the young bucks won. And then like page doesn't quite come out. He just kind of, I saw people on Twitter. They're like, wait, who was that in the back? Like people missed it, but it was yeah. subtle. So if you saw it, you went, Hey, wait a second. Really good storytelling. That's, that's great. I, I think that's awesome. I don't, I don't feel like necessarily everyone has to pick up on every single thing. I think it's cool that you put those there. Um, but it, I will give Sheeta and Rose credit, a great match. They put on a great match. It, it is, is uh, like three minutes too long. That was But that. however, why, like, they put on a great match despite AEW. You know what I mean? Like, AEW didn't yeah. really do anything to set them up for success. They went, go out there and have a good match, and let's not put any storytelling really into this. Let's not put, like, all the subtlety they're showing with the Young Bucks – is and FTR, or no, sorry, uh, with uh, Omega and Page, they're not, sh- they are blindly not showing to the women's division. And it's like, yeah. it's kind of sad. I, it's one thing if we were talking a pre women's revolution, evolution pay per view mm. time. Now yeah. there's no excuse. I mean, SmackDown and Raw, some of the best, and NXT, some of the best stuff that's on there and the thing that's drawing the most people is, are the women's matches, are the women's right. feuds. So the best no, thing about NXT right now is the women's division. Uh, it's amazing. And they're, they're doing so many great things. So, yeah, like here, you have the talent. I understand part of it's just injury. You can't yeah. do anything about Inj- that. Injury. Pandemic cuts off half your international yeah. roster. Like, there uh, are things Baker and Statland are getting hurt. Like, right. Yeah, and, there are things you can't help. But then you still have all this talent here that is in the building and that you can't do things with. And you decide, nah. We're just going to send them on out there. I saw the statements and things, and that just didn't cut it for me. So, yeah, I, I, I hope to see more. You, you, can, you can recover a lot. You just put the title on Britt Baker. Just have her run through opponents and then try to build up people on the opposite side to, to uh, match her, and someone hopefully breaks through in that process. And by that point, hopefully the pandemic's over. 
because you can okay. do this for you can do this for six months. Yeah, easily. absolutely. And we do have to tease something. We do because as this episode goes live, uh, by this point, the AEW Games' first presentation will have taken place, so we will know the first details about AEW's first lineup of video games. As we are recording this, some leaks have already made their way online as to what those games will be and who is involved in making them. But we're not really going to touch on that right now. But Matt, I want to ask you this. Before you see this, what is something you are hoping to see out of this presentation for what they have planned going forward? I think one of the, the things that AEW... When AEW is at its best to me is when they do things that are different than WWE. So what, when the earlier teases came out a few weeks ago, or even I think it was last week of like, Hey, uh, you know, we're working with some people on some games. And the rumor was that they were going to work with the team that did like no mercy. And that did WCW and WO those mm -hmm. classic 64 games that like everybody and their brother loves. Even Kofi, <laughs> even <laughs> yeah, Kofi. Right. Yeah, which I love. Don't Whoa, get me wrong. I was a master of WCW versus NWO. Don't even. Right. But yeah. so like that was the... Super Nintendo. I was. Yes. Right. It was real. So that was, oh, that yeah. was the rumor. So, so if it's, I think that's smart because you go a different direction and you start, I mean, look, it's no, I've made no bias about like, I think AEW follows a very WCW blueprint sometimes. This would be a smart way to follow that, do something different that makes your, your whole gaming presence different. So I would like to see that. That's what I would like to see. So my thing is I want them to give us at least the impression that they are taking their time with this series. Because if you look at what WWE has been doing basically for 15 years at this point is we got to get a game out every year. So we're partnering with THQ and then we're partnering with 2K. And it, there's this weird thing where if you go and look at like the rankings of the greatest wrestling games, you'll see certain installments of 2K up at the top and also at the very bottom, sometimes one year right after another. Why does that happen? Because they have to keep trying to reinvent the wheel and rush something out for the next year. Yeah. AEW can, all they need to do, because there's this power vacuum in wrestling games right now, 2K20 bombed. No one's talking about Battlegrounds. Mm -hmm. WWE hasn't put out a legitimately well-liked wrestling game in a couple of years, and there's no guarantee that whatever 2K21 looks like is going to be that. So all AEW really needs to do is put out the best game possible, take their time with the series, and then don't go, we're going to have one of these every year. No, no, no. Do this biennially. Do, do these one every two years. If you're known as the best game when you come out, players will wait. They won't expect a new installment the very next year if they go, hey, you know what? These are so much better than the ones that do come out every year that I'm willing to wait so that when this comes out, I'm definitely buying that, as opposed to looking at 2K and going, did they screw it up this year, or is it passable? Yeah, agreed. That's I think what that's I'm smart for them. I think that is the strategy great. I hope they take going forward. They can, they can put out all these different kinds of games. When it comes to the console installments, take your time. Do not think that you have to adopt this annual policy. I agree. You don't. Because it's the same thing for – NBA and Madden and we yeah. have this discussion every year. It, Assassin's Creed was like that at one point, having a different team churn out one every year. And it, exactly. and, it, and it's always a 50-50 shot. And so, yeah, I agree. I think biannual is the perfect thing for that, if they're going to go super sim. All right. Was that wrestling? That's wrestling. That is wrestling. All right. Thanks, guys. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book. Oh, wait, Matt, do you have comics? You want to, oh, we have a rundown. Man, I forgot. I do. We have stuff to do in this show. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, uh, I'll run through real quick, so there won't be any uh, Oh, like, I got a couple. I got a couple, too. So on the TV front, uh, we're getting Umbrella Academy Season 3. Yay! HBO's The Outsider got canceled. Boo, I really love that. That was a creepy, moody, kind of slow burn horror thing. So I'm mad about that. The Hardy Boys trailer is out. This is for you, Riverdale, Sabrina fans go check that out uh yeah hardy boys uh which will be on hulu but feels very much in that same universe so yeah take a look at that uh and like, like we said the witch got hit with some covid so season two is on pause right now while they get that covid situation they gotta scrub everybody down start washing guys uh anyway moving on to new comics matt what do we got 
All right. So, uh, yeah, we've got, and we will now talk about this next time. We will have punchline number one, uh, a one shot that sets up a lot of things for 2021. Uh, we also have three chapters of Ten of Swords. We have Marauders number 15, Excalibur number 14, and Wolverine number seven. We have Amazing Spider-Man number 52 and number 52 LR, the side stories to that. We also have Wonder Woman 766, Iron Man number three, Champions number two, Taskmaster number one, Seven Secrets number four, American Vampire 1976 number two, Power Rangers number one, debut, G.I. Joe number 10. We have a new series called Miss Katonic, I believe I said that right, number one. Bill and Ted are doomed, number three. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons at the, spire, uh, at the spine of the world, sorry, uh, number one. Marvel Action Chillers, number one, and Legacy of Mandrake the Magician, number two. So that is comics, a very diverse crowd there. All right. Thank you, Matt. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. And as, tuning in, as always, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com. You can listen on the site, or you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can tell any smart home device to fire up Comic Book Nation podcasts, and it'll get it playing for you. If you want to watch episodes, they air live every Wednesday and Friday on Facebook. If you can't catch them live, they will be on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page. If you want to respond to anything on the show, drop topics, say what's up, or just generally stay connected with us, we are at the at Comic Book Nation Twitter handle or the, or the hashtag Comic Book Nation. And you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all the things. And at Connor Casey underscore CB. And if you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review because one sweet fine day when we get back, well, I don't think we're ever getting back in our old office, but we have a new office coming our way eventually, uh, I think. And if we ever have a new office, we are going to have to get rid of all that old merch to all our five-star reviewers. So uh, send that out. So get on. Apple we probably still have those old like camouflage hats with the old comic book logo somewhere what? in there. I yeah. Love that. Oh yeah. Those, we have so much merch, man. So <laughs> Is it like, like a trucker hat. Yeah. Like a basically. Oh my yeah. gosh. So uh, yeah. Apple podcast, five-star review. We'll get it to you. All right. That'll do it for this episode of comic book nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in as always stay connected. Try to stay chill. Things are a little crazy right now, but uh, if you need a distraction, we're a great place to be. Talk to you later. Peace. Peace. Later.